Hello and welcome to episode 52 of The Jared White Show, recorded February 28th, 2020. I'm your host, Jared White, and this is a weekly podcast where we gather to celebrate the best of internet culture, advocate for an open web, revel in geek fandom, and discover what it means to be a creator of integrity in 2020 and beyond. And speaking of creators, it is my extreme pleasure to introduce today's guest. Yes, that's right, folks. We have a guest on the show today. This is a first. So I'm very excited to introduce to you uh, my friend Nathan Cotney. He is uh, a man about the internet, as it were. He's done a whole bunch of different things. He's, he's a writer, a blogger on Medium. He's created a company called uh, Draft, a product at drafting.com. Uh, in, in a past life, he was a CEO, CEO of High Rise. He's been through the Y Combinator program, just a whole bunch of different things. And um, I've appreciated in particular uh, what he's done on YouTube. He's just a self-starter sort of person, which uh, is, is my kind of person. So Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jared. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into doing stuff on YouTube in particular, because I know you have a lot of background in in software engineering. Uh, Like I said earlier, you are a CEO of a a software company for a while, and you've created a bunch of different products. So how do you you cross that divide from, you know, being being somebody that's that's developing things, making things, to content creator? Uh, I feel like that that's like... Cross, crossing over from one world to another feels like this sort of mysterious story that can be wildly different from person to person. So tell me a little bit about how, how you got into that. Sure. Um, I, it, I, it's kind of like a two-part thing here, I think. And it's like the, the big one was um, like even even taking YouTube and video out of the equation. Like I think one of the big realizations I had in my life um, – was this period of time, you know, like like you mentioned, like I've, I've done Y Combinator. I did it, uh, I did it twice. Um, I did it a second time in 2011 where we started this project called City Posh. And we were originally doing like these branded games um, where, you know, it was, you know, we, we during, if anybody remembers 2011, like Zynga was really popular and Groupon was really popular. And we had this idea of like, what would it be like if if you took kind of some of the excitement of of deals and kind of, you know, consumerism on, on Groupon and you married it with playing games like on Zynga and Facebook. And we created like these branded games where people would, we would get a sponsor for the games like ABC television and you could take all their images and stick them in our games and people would play games and win a bunch of prizes at the end and we could we could delve into that more later but the the whole concept we th- we were really excited about did Y Combinator um, but that period of my life became really difficult uh you know, we, we couldn't find any investors. We definitely couldn't run this thing on on a on a shoestring budget, kind of in the in the time of our our, our life. Um, 
And it was a really weird period. Like it was full of self-doubt. It was full of all sorts of, you know, just weird experiences. You know, like my partner and I had some trouble. Like what were we going to do? Were we going to kind of keep swinging at this thing together? Was he going to go back and work on our first company? Like what what should I do? He decided to go back and work on our first company. Really fine decision. I wanted to kind of tough it out. So like what the heck? Like it was just an area full of weird stories and you know, stuff I felt very vulnerable during. And the the weird thing about all of that time was I just stopped writing. I stopped blogging. I stopped tweeting. I stopped putting myself out there. Um, and so when, you know, like there was this period of time I kind of took a break, I feel like, from a lot of stuff and and kind of came back at it with draft. I kind of turned, you know, everything back into draft. And that was the time when I realized, you know what, I really screwed up when I turned off, you know, all the journaling and all the writing. Um, I felt really bad that I had kind of like hidden away during that whole period. So that was like kind of this eye-opening moment of, you know what, it's it's okay to kind of show the journey and the steps. And, and a lot of people are in those same things. And there's a lot of stuff to get from kind of showing people the, the moments where things aren't going so well. And it's a shame when people don't because you don't you don't kind of see the struggles. You don't see the 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 light bulb moments. Um, and so for me, like YouTube came at a point too where I was like trying to figure out like how are we going to turn high rise around? And I feel like it was that moment where it was like, I don't want to make the same mistake again. So, you know, YouTube for me was a lot about, I think, opening up about the struggles we had with high rise and kind of you know, kind of opening up the curtains of like what was going on, you know, also behind the scenes of the company. Yeah, I think that's when I think that's when you first were on my radar was uh, I, I remember, uh, you know, watching videos and seeing blog posts where you were, uh, you know, very transparent about kind of what you were doing at High Rise and what was working and what wasn't working. Uh, and, and that, you know, that level of candor was was really what you know, kind of got me interested in following your journey. Uh, and over time, you know, it became less about, you know, what it was you were doing more about just you as a person, as a as an internet personality, as it were. Uh, and so like, how, how did you how did you see that at first when you're you know, starting to make videos and starting to put yourself out there again. Because, like, you know, the sort of famous story that's that's funny when you think about, it, you know, regarding uh, Casey Neistat, who I'm sure so many people are familiar with. Like, he started doing his daily vlog, not necessarily just because he was like, hey, I want to make a vlog, but because he wanted to promote the company that he was trying to get going at the time. Uh, Beam, I think it was called. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it was this thing where like beam ended up not going anywhere, but his vlogging took off like a rocket. Um, so w w I mean, at first when you were making videos and, and, you know, blogging again, so forth, what was, did you have this idea that, you know, maybe that could be its own thing and in some major way, or was it, was it really just more of a way of trying to, to help your business and, and get that word out? Yeah. I mean, a mixture of things, right? I mean, Casey was definitely a kind of ins inspiration, right? I think, I think, you know, he kind of 
he, you know, I think I feel like I started my vlog a little bit very soon after I saw what, what Casey was doing with a vlog. And, you know, obviously he's an inspiration to everybody, like probably doing YouTube these days. But yes, I mean, I saw a little bit of like what he was doing in terms of, you know, you know, using it as this channel to, to kind of, I think, promote Beam. And then obviously it turned into something of, of its of its own. Um, and that's kind of exactly what I saw with, with my writing from, from like, and what I wish I had been doing when we were going through like the city posh phase, right? It was like, you know, it, it becomes a little less of like what, promoting the business and more of like something on its own. Like I, I wish I had had things written and, and put together during the, the city posh period of my life, because obviously city posh didn't live um, and it did become draft, but I think there was a would have been a lot of interesting lessons for for others, but even myself to look back on and my daughter to look back on. And so, you know, like I do look at YouTube as being something sure. Like I I I, I enjoy promoting something I'm working on, like it, like anyone else. Like hey, if I'm working on a new feature, I want to launch something, I'm going to mention it on YouTube and and hope that is a channel for people to kind of experience it and. And, and take it on. But I do hope for it to be something that that's maybe more important uh, than the thing I'm promoting, right? And I, I do hope that these videos on YouTube are going to to live a very long life and, and be something that, you know, maybe I'm even looking back on it decades from now. Maybe my daughter, when when she's an adult, can look back on these things and derive some kind of wisdom or, or or something that gives her perseverance yeah, yeah um and so it's it's you know it's some of all of what you said um i, th I think i think you know yeah it could it can be a promotional vehicle but no it by now i think i've i've realized i do want it to be something a lot more um for everyone and for myself that that kind of means something much more than just something I'm just trying to promote or, or, you know, a company I work in. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, like, I, I find myself more and more in my, you know, in my day job role as someone who works in, in developing software and designing websites and so forth, you know, I, I get asked by people and get into conversations around, you know, promoting content online. Uh, and, you know, so often people like a hundred percent of what they're thinking about is, you know, how do I promote this thing I'm trying to, I'm trying to do, you know, how do, how do I tell people about my business? And more and more I'm finding like the way I, I'm trying to advise them is it, it, it you have, you have to, you have to develop this as its own skill. It's its own thing. Like there, there's a, there's an art to being, a, you know, a personality online and starting a YouTube channel or, or starting a blog and creating content that's really valuable to people. And it, it's beyond just, you know, hey, check out this thing I'm making or, you know, click this link. And, uh, it, and that, you know, like not, not everyone is going to be very good at that. Like most people, I would say, starting out are not going to be good at that. It takes time and it's a skill you have to develop. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's challenging. And I think even for folks like us that maybe have been doing some of this content stuff a long time in various forms, uh, it can be really challenging. Uh, so how, how do you, how do you sort of 
deal with that tension between wanting to put content out there, but also like the, the challenges of, of like putting, putting your own authentic self out there and, and being candid about like, here's what's going on in my life and here's what's not working. And I feel like a failure today. And, you know, it, it, some of that, like some people call it failure porn, like that, that's kind of an in thing now, but it wasn't always, hmm. uh, sure. but like, I, I, for me at least, like I still feel like anytime you know I'm I'm thinking about doing an episode of of a podcast or a vlog or something, and and I want to talk about something difficult that's going on with me person uh, personally, uh, it, it's it's hard for me. It's hard for me to put myself out there like that. Uh, how how do you feel about that? So two, I probably have two two things coming to the top of my head right now about this. One. Uh, my wife just told me about this. So there's a very famous writer, Rachel Hollis, more than just a famous writer. You know, Rachel Hollis has like has had two books on like the New York Times bestseller list in like the top five, top 10 books for like years. Girl, Wash Your Face and uh, Stop. Is it Girl, Stop Apologizing? Um, very famous speaker, like she's killing it. And, and she's doing this really, really great job. I'm a big fan too, but my wife, super fan um well she was just telling me yesterday this is maybe probably not the best story since it's like a story rachel told a story my wife heard the story in her podcast my wife told me so now i'm gonna tell rachel's story through my wife um <laughs> go for so it. i'm sure i'm sure i'm gonna get like miss miss aspects of this but it was a very powerful story even even kind of watered down through the telephone game here but it was simply like Rachel was, I believe she was speaking at an Oprah Winfrey event, conference kind of thing. Oprah's in the audience. You know, Rachel's, a, who isn't a huge fan of Oprah and, 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 and might get, like, the jitters and feel very humble in front of Oprah. Well, Rachel, um, she often has the style of, of telling kind of an embarrassing story about herself before she kind of goes into the lesson she learned, et cetera. And in in this speech she's giving in front of Oprah and this this big crowd, she tells a, a, an embarrassing story about a tampon. And it sounds like this may not have gone exactly the way maybe Rachel had wanted. Like Oprah got up during the story to the side of the room. There's a lot of self-doubt going on in Rachel's head. Well, later on during a Q&A portion of this, like Oprah – asks the story like that you know Oprah's on stage asking Rachel questions like you know what 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 do you think it is that you've had so much impact like you're you're clearly clearly killing it you know that these two books are blowing up and you're blowing up like what's why is it working and Rachel mentions like it's because I tell the tampon stories. Like it's it's because I tell those stories that are embarrassing that no one else is telling. You know, it's it's opening up about the things that we're all hiding, but we're all going through. Um, that's that 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 really resonated with me when my wife shared it with me recently. It's like we're all. I, I can point to Casey too. I, I when I was watching Casey and Casey barely vlogs anymore, and I, and I wish he would. We all probably wish he would, but when he was even going through the beam stuff, the 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 thing that I wish I I got more out of him. This is my only criticism of of that I'll, you know of that stuff, but it's like I wish he actually opened up more about the challenges of beam. You know, like we were all watching you know his his journey, and where I think his some of his vlogging fell short was the fact that I I don't think he opened up 
up enough about those struggles. And I think it's a healthy thing for all of us to get a lot from, you know, it's like we'd learn like, hey, we're not all perfect and we're not all the perfect leaders. And, you know, entrepreneurship is a struggle even for someone like Casey. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot to get from it. And so because I think there's a lot to get from folks opening up about struggles and and the vulnerability of of showing like you know n- not all the glorious moments of trying to start a business or 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 raise a family or do any of the stuff that we do through life since I think I'd get a lot from it I choose to do the same right I I try to I try to put out the stories that are, aren't always the most like you know have me in 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 my best moments um so that's that's what I do yeah. and and I and I hope it I hope it resonates with other people and, and people see, get something out of that also. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. And um, that, that last thing you said about, you know, what what would you enjoy if you were viewing it? Uh, I, I find myself coming back to that more and more because uh, I think, you know, when you're trying to create content and put yourself out there, like, it's easy to get into this cycle of like, always trying to you know up the quality and make your points come across better and you know enunciate words better and like you get so fixated on the technique of what you're doing uh and then and then I'll watch you know a creator that is you know just doing an absolutely phenomenal job on YouTube or whatever and and I'll I'll see a latest episode and all of a sudden I realize like wow, like that camera angle was terrible or that scene was completely out of focus. And, and like the critical voice I always apply to myself will start to apply to their video. And then I'll realize, actually, none of this stuff uh, going to matter yeah, because yeah. this is just fun and everyone's getting a kick out of it. And so, you know, yeah, good technique is important. And, you know, learning how to communicate more effectively is important. But, you know, at the end of the day, people are always going to resonate the most with you know, the the individual person and all of the good and all of the bad and all of the ugly that comes along with that. Totally. Uh, totally. So I appreciate that story. And, and you know, this year, I, I and it's weird, right? Like, I, I feel, there, I, my wife and I reached a period of our lives right now where, like, the last few years, couple years, there's been a lot of weird struggles. Like, everything from you know, my parents' health to my health to weird career job stuff to, you know, uh, my cat died last, you know, a year ago. Like, for some reason, a lot of weird stuff happened. Um, And it's like, it's weird because, you know, when you're going through it, you don't, I think a lot of us, we don't, it's a blow because, like, you don't expect all of these changes to happen. And so, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess a lot of these lessons learned is simply, like, letting other folks know, hey, we all, as humans, go through all of this stuff. Like, you're, you know, you're not alone. Um, and so, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping by, by showing some of the, the dirty laundry it's it's helping someone else out there realize like look like i think a lot of the folks you might look up to we're all they're all going through all those same human moments that are a struggle really for all of us yeah yeah uh, i that's that's kind of at the top of my personal goals list uh for this year is is to you know try to Try to get to that place of being a little bit more open and a little bit more vulnerable, because uh, you know the, the honest truth is, anytime I have 
in the past where I've been so worried about, oh, what are people going to say or how are people going to react? Like, you know, even if there is some kind of negative pushback, like the positive comments I've gotten from people are always so much more meaningful to me. Uh, and that, that really is in the end what, what matters. Um, I'm curious how you, ch changing the subject a little bit, I'm curious how you view kind of what's going on right now with, with, with startup culture and, you know, sort of the, 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 the impression people have like in the media or just the culture at large around Silicon Valley and tech companies. Cause it seemed like there was a period of time where, uh, you know, sort of what, what was exciting and popular and innovative in content and, and certainly YouTube and blogging and so forth was, was so aligned with the tech industry and the rise of all these, you know, these new products and services. Uh, and that's really kind of taken a, a, a drastic change, it seems, lately where, you know, at, at one point where people were singing the praises of a company like Facebook, for example, uh, you know, now there's so much negativity and there's concern in general around privacy and, and you know, are, is, is tech even doing a good job of contributing to the economy after all? Maybe there's a lot of problems that everyone's been glossing over. Anyway, I'm just, I'm curious how you see the, the sort of the, the public perception of tech these days and where it's going and, and how does that factor into to what you're doing as, as someone from the tech industry? Sure. It's tough. That that's such a multifaceted question. I feel like we could like talk all day about <laughs> so many threads here. Oh sure, um, sure. You know, I will say, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you, you mentioned like privacy. I mean, it is wild to see companies that have played loose with our privacy. Um, you know, and, and Facebook is is definitely in the crosshairs, and rightfully so. Um, and it's 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 nice that there's this new um, vigor around protecting it and and protecting things like security of of our private data, right? It's it's really neat to see companies like you know how DuckDuckGo, you know they're 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 the search a search engine competitor to like Google. I mean they have a very yep, tiny yep. market I share. I use it. But I use it every day. <laughs> awesome, you know, like yeah. I mean, I it, it's it's awesome to see the the kind of the forethought those founders had in you know like realizing like no the stuff that we search for hopefully should be more private and and less of a thing that that could be up for sale and up for attack um you know i'm also a huge my wife works for one password so of course i've got to plug them i mean they've got a huge um you know, uh, relationship with with helping us protect our data and and privacy and doing things the right way, and so I mean I point to just a couple of these examples because it's like there's a there's definitely the examples to point to that have been doing it wrong, but I mean it's one of those places where then there's this opportunity to show and and have these companies rise up that are doing it correctly. Um, yeah, I've I've been starting to hear that more and more as a refrain of like sort of re reframing the 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 downward trend of tech and in, in sort of pop media to to like hey this this isn't this isn't just a problem to be angsty about like this this can also be an opportunity you know there there can be 
you know, new, newer, smaller players that maybe come into different spaces and, you know, and their pitch essentially is like, you know, we're the, we're the secure privacy focused alternative sure. to, you know, some major conglomerate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I even remember, and it still happens today, like when people sign up for draft, they, they, there's this fear and there's this constant asking me, um, what do you do with my data? Do you sell my writing? And it, it's, it, at first it was like shocking. Like how, what, who, what, what? <laughs> How could you even ask me a question like that? Like, of course yeah. I'm not selling your writing. Like, I, I couldn't even dream of that scenario. And, of course, like, no, you're right. Like, I bet, you know, uh, yeah, you know, there is a I, – I assume Facebook is probably selling some form of your writing or something. Or, so, and, so are you I'm, telling you know, me you're, you're, uh, you're not mining everyone's uh, – writing for for keywords to uh aggregate all their data and and uh, right right so exactly. make the big bucks <laughs> yeah exactly and it's it's something that well and i bring that up only because it's like you know it's something i actually i think i say it in a, at least a couple places on the draft website but it's still something that people are really worried about and and in that is an opportunity i think for a lot of people to realize like you know i'm i'm even clearly not doing a good enough job mentioning you know the the care i try to take over people's private data but because i'm not doing a good enough job i mean there's plenty of people who you know there is an opportunity there to learn how to communicate the care you might be taking with people's private data and how concerned folks are over this so you know i so i agree i mean that has been a problem at at tech companies but man like it's not not just like the tech not just like the startup industries but i mean look at like the terrible stuff that like who you know giant companies have taken with people's private data with Experian, right? That was oh, a yeah. data, huge data leak. Um, you know, it's, it's everybody I think is, is should needs to take this as a moment to like uh, realize what really is important for their consumers and their customers out there um, and, and treat as an opportunity to do better. But yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of threads we, we can pick on. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for me, like as a, like from the content creation perspective specifically, uh, I, I last year I felt like I went through like all these different waves of like trying to figure out how I could maybe you know publish content or or you know connect with people outside of like what seem like services that are taking over the web. Like you know we've talked about YouTube here, but like. Yeah, I see it as as a as a problem. As much as there are aspects of YouTube I really enjoy, like it's problematic for me to to see YouTube as like the only service that anyone can go to 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 publish and share video on the internet. Now is this one service from this one company whose you know ultimate goal is to make money off of everyone's eyeballs. Like that, it's it's hard at times to be like super enthusiastic now about you know publishing and being part of youtube when there's this sort of like ick factor behind the scenes you know yeah i i agree right i mean i yes and you know i but i also see how the pendulum can swing right it's like i've been in this 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 tech stuff 
for long enough that I see pendulums constantly swinging, right? Like I, it's funny how like you can see a pendulum swinging at medium, right? Medium started as this like, oh, we want to be this, we want to be similar to YouTube. And they were like, well, but we also just want to be this platform for writing. And, and, you know, I, I've loved writing on the platform. I've published a lot of stuff on Medium. But then they've gradually withdrawn many of the features that made it this place for you to kind of own your content, right? Like they they withdrew custom subdomains or whatever, right? Like I don't think you can yeah. I don't think you can have a custom subdomain from your domain linking to a Medium blog anymore. Um, they've with, you know, they, now they have these, like these walled garden, like ad blocks things that you can opt out of, but then you don't get any of the medium distribution, which is again, kind of like a, 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 a zag from where they used to be going. Um, and so I see the pendulum swinging there where medium is trying to become more and more like YouTube, this, this like monopoly or this, this, this walled garden of content and it's kind of a shame, you're right? Like I I I think it's it's good for Medium. I see why they have to do it to make more money and to protect their traffic, et cetera, and to keep people on their platform. But at the same time, it's kind of bad for me as a content creator because it's like no, I still kind of want more ownership of this content. I don't want to, you know, add all this friction to people who are reading my stuff just to funnel them into more of your stuff. So it's I, I see all the the lines there and the back and forth and the 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 different sides of this. But yeah, like YouTube is has become this like monopoly on on content, and it's and it's it's kind of a shame but then i also see maybe there's opportunity there for more people to to help then content creators get back that ownership over their content um i don't know exactly yeah. how I, but i feel like i feel like the story at least my hope this is my my optimism speaking now uh, uh i feel like the story hasn't fully played out yet like uh, technologically speaking I, I can't help but feel that at some point in the future there will be some mechanism whereby individuals have more ownership and control over their data and have more of their, you know, sort of website-like individual identity, but somehow are still participating in in these social networks because, you know, no one can deny, like, the thing that makes these networks great is that ability to to be part of a global community and to get that distribution and to, you know, to get that sort of centralized place that people know to go to to find stuff and interact with people because you know from the from the user perspective I, I can't deny that you know the fact that i can just tap youtube on my ipad and instantly watch the latest videos from from you and from other folks i follow that are you know it's it's it that part of it is is great you know i love that um but also i listen to a lot of podcasts and the weird thing there is like the experience for users is somewhat similar in that, like, I can go to my podcast app and listen yeah. to podcasts from all these different people. And yet, there, it actually is far more decentralized and built with open web protocols. Right. Even though the experience on the surface level looks more similar to YouTube. So it's, it's like we're in this weird situation right now where, like, between the web and between certain services, 
it's it's you know some things are centralized completely some things are more decentralized and depending on the particular medium and the particular service you know it's it's more open or less open and i feel like right. you know it, it's hard to keep it straight for for folks like us that are very technically oriented for, for the average joe yeah. or jane or you know folks that aren't plugged into the the tech side of things like it's got to be like there's so much going on they have no idea like how it works or why the way it works is sure. the way it is which which is yeah which is a challenge <laughs> no totally totally um you know but to also kind of bring this back to your original question about like culture and startup culture and tech culture i mean one other thing i'll say about that is is you know i, I do think some of the bad apples make some of the most exciting news right i i do think there is a lot of you know interesting media about some of the worst performers and that and that's true i'm glad they're getting called out and and we're making changes but i'm still very bullish on starting new businesses so i you know i've actually just recently joined a tech startup of six people and oh fabulous um yeah and and during that process i mean i definitely see you know, a lot of interesting just energy of, of people starting new things and, and still trying out new ideas. And I definitely see problems in some of the cultures at some of these places. Um, you know, I, I won't call out any names, but I still, you know, it's a shame that like drinking is still too much a part of some of these startups culture. But I mean, you're going to see that at the Fortune 50 also. Um but so there's all there's there's definitely always bad stuff and and there's definitely always things to improve but yeah I still remain kind of bullish on kind of the tech startup communities and and I still see a lot of folks trying to do the right thing and improve things and um hopefully I can continue to keep being a part of that and doing the right thing yeah for sure i feel like a good antidote to you know sort of the extreme ends of Silicon Valley, you know, bro culture or, or sort of college culture that can go awry. Like, I feel like the one, one way to sort of get a different perspective is, is literally just to not be in that locale and to be somewhere else. And, you know, I know you're based in Chicago, which is certainly a tech hub in its own right. Um, but I'm sure, you know, having a little bit of a different view on things can be helpful uh, I I recently moved to Portland, which is cool. funny because it's like it's like this tiny tech hub where these there's all these little satellite offices of some really major companies. True. Uh, true. In fact, like I I just recently was at a meetup that was at a Microsoft office right here in Portland. Um, but it's like a lot of the the folks working at these companies here, like it's interesting how when you talk to them they're, you know, they're, they're a lot more focused on like, you know, extracurricular activities and spending time with their families or going on, you know, adventures out in beautiful nature. Uh, it just, it's, it's like they're, they're in the tech scene, but they also have these, these outside perspectives uh, a little bit more than, you know, if you're right in Palo Alto or San Francisco, perhaps. And I feel like, I, 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 I think like as that is happening more and more now where companies are, are opening more offices elsewhere or startups are, are literally starting up elsewhere. Uh, hopefully that's going to you know, bring a lot of positive changes uh, to, to tech in general. Yeah. I mean, I, 
so the the startup I work for, uh, you know, the core team um, is is based out of San Francisco, and so yeah, I, I guess I am kind of like this remote office in Chicago. Um, and and you're probably right. I mean, the you know lack of diversity in like anything seems to be to be a very bad thing, and so lack of diversity in geography probably has very you know uh, has has cons that probably haven't you know all been written out yet. But I, you know, but yes, lack of, of, you know, geographic diversity probably brings a lot of weird things about, um, you know, culture and, and, um, how we work together and how we create, et cetera. And so, yeah, I mean, just even going remote and, and starting to diversify there, I mean, there's other places that need a lot more diversity too, um, before worrying about geography, but, um, you know, it's a start, it's something that to, to probably start, you know making a impact in in the culture and in how organizations run a little bit more inclusively for sure yeah cool well i i think uh we're we're getting close to the end of our time here uh i just want to briefly mention how much uh, i appreciated for a while you're doing this series uh i think it's called dear addison where you're sort of wrapping up what you're working on and learning and thinking about in this format where it's sort of like addressed to your daughter and sort of, you know, later on in her life when she grows up, she can come back to these sort of video letters you've left for her. And I just thought that was fantastic. Thank you. Just just a little plug. If you ever want to bring that back, uh, you'll have at least one fan here. Thanks. Uh, yeah, maybe I should be doing more of those. Like it, it, yeah, it's hard to stick with any kind of theme on that channel for some reason. Like maybe it's just because my interests just zigzag all around. But um, I'll keep that in mind. Oh, I I understand that for yeah. sure. Um, but I I like uh, I like this format because um, you know it's as a parent of of young children myself. Uh, you know, it's something I've been thinking about more and more is, yeah, how do I teach my children sort of uh, what you might call the engineer mindset in terms of like kind of thinking through problems as a science experiment. And you've done some of that on your channel where it's like, how do we look at this problem of like experiment and try this and try that and like come up with this crazy contraption and oh, look, that works now. And we solved the problem. And it's this very fun, but also very uh, logical and analytical kind of way of looking at things. And um, there's a question in there somewhere, but <laughs> all that to say, it's it's something that's been more and more uh, uh, in my thinking as of late. Yeah, yeah. Me too, right? I mean, uh, it's hard. I, you know, I, I can't give parenting advice because I don't have the after picture of like, you know, here's here's how successful I've been with parenting. I have a five-year-old. And so who knows? Hopefully I'm setting her up really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, something I feel like I'm enjoying that, I, you know, that seems to be working well is like taking um, a medium that I know she has some interest in and will probably based on all evidence that I see of other kids enjoying YouTube and videos on their iPads, et cetera, you know, embracing, right? Like I know she, she's likes YouTube and, and has enjoyed watching videos and, you know, she's enjoyed watching herself on, on a video. So why not channel that? And it's kind of like a judo move. Like, well, it's like, okay, if you like making videos, well, we could make videos together where we're building something or exploring a topic, you know? So yeah, my judo move was simply like, yeah, maybe we could, 
you know, do a little science experiment with you and me on it. And it's something, yeah, like maybe maybe that that is kind of the in to to kind of keep her interested in in something like science and engineering and, and chemistry and um who knows? But I'm, you know, I also realize, like, I'm just, I'm flexible. Like, she's going to do what she wants to do. And if she didn't like it, you know, we, I'm to- totally not going to force her. Oh, sure. We'll, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do something else. But, but it is, yeah, embracing kind of doing videos where we're doing weird science experiments um, was just, yeah, one of my ways of trying to introduce something without being so, like, didactic about you know, science in, in our household or something. And so, yeah, I, I feel like it's, that's turned out well. I look forward to doing more with her. Um, I've got one, hopefully, I don't want to promise I'm going to do this, but one of my next ones is going to involve like lighter fluid, <laughs> fire. Oh, wow. Um, a, yeah, what's known as a, a, a bomb calorimeter, you know, which is if anyone's done any kind of chemistry, that's something that you could use it's not as exciting as, as it sounds probably, but it's a way of you burn something to see how many calories are in it. So I'm hoping to do that with some food, a food item here in the near future, but oh, we'll wow. see. I gotta, that sounds fun. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully hopefully everybody keeps their eyebrows at the yeah, end of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have any intention of like trying to overtly turn my children into programmers like their father or anything. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do feel like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just my own experience has been the ability to, to sort of break down a complex problem of any sort in life into like a series of tasks and kind of do things, you know, step by step and see it as sort of an experiment. And, you know, well, that part of the step by step process didn't work. That's OK. We'll try this next step instead. Uh, it's it's it can be a helpful way to look at the world and that's kind of the the thing that i enjoy seeing you know on your channel and and in in my own life yeah and you're right it's for me too it's like this way i mean i remember being in college not having any idea what i wanted to do and and part of that was because like i you know like i um you know, like I, I, I realized like I, I, I didn't, you know, I did a chemical engineering degree and then realized by like my senior year, I didn't want to be a chemical engineer anymore. And part of that was just because I didn't have anyone opening up to me in my life what even chemical engineering is like, um, you know, and so I'm hoping, you know, by doing some of this kind of stuff, kind of going through the motions of of being an engineer and, and you know, maybe this will show her whether or not this is even enjoyable or not. Is this a path you even want to be on? But hopefully, yeah, like I've got, a, you know, giving her a little bit more information to make decisions on it maybe a little sooner than I did. Um, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll put a pin in that Some. Perhaps uh, something to to dive into more in in some future episode. Yeah, we'll check back on this in like twenty years or so. How how to go? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, when we're on episode, you know, two thousand nine hundred forty eight, we can. Uh, Let's do it. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. So thank you so much for being on the show, Nathan. Where? Oh, thank you. This is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, where can people find you online? What's the best way to to see your stuff to get a hold of you? I'm still fairly active on Twitter, just Nate Cotney, one word on Twitter, um, or or YouTube. Uh, I go through, you know, uh, um, I don't even know what the word is, but you know, uh, fits and spurts and whatever. <laughs> 
Um, but right now I'm on a little bit of a, of a, of a kick of getting more videos out. So follow me on YouTube and, and I usually share a lot of the stuff I'm doing there. All right. Sounds great. All right. Well, you have a good day. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed our conversation and I hope you did as well. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, get more awesome interviews with creators and just generally help us out here so that we can keep the lights on, keep the show running. Uh, that would be awesome. Here's the way to do it. Go to patreon.com slash Jared, and there you can become a supporter of the show for only a few dollars a month. It's pretty simple. You can also help us out by going to the Apple Podcast directory and leaving us a review there and letting us know what you think. Uh, we would really appreciate that. As always, you can go to jaredwhite.com to sign up for our email newsletter and to uh, subscribe to the RSS feed there, to subscribe to the podcast and your podcast player of choice and all that good stuff. So thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.